When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Welcome back to the season starts in one week and <laughs> Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friends Bradley George Adams. V. Oh, at the same time. Same time. Look at us <laughs> in sync. Oh, oh. Who actually goes first on that? It's Brad. Normally, it's Brad. Is normally we, Brad. And you, tried, and you it, tried nicking his um after this. Yeah. Last you week. Thief. <laughs> I am coming for your spot, Brad. Coming over coming here with your microphone. Now he's got a now he's got a fancy microphone. <laughs> which is the exact same microphone that I do have in someone else's house that uh, they won't give back to me. <laughs> I really want to talk more about that, but we can't. Uh, welcome back to the Dishbook and Arsenal podcast. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Um, let's just jump into it, boys, uh, because there's lots to discuss. And most primarily, obviously, is Bradley's dental appointments. How what? No. Is the news about. Uh, I, did have an, uh, I did have another. I don't care. Sorry. Dental appointment this week. <laughs> You fucker. You <laughs> motherfucker. That was me. No, tell me about your tell me about your dentist, Brad. Uh they fixed the problem. Still don't care. So right. no more the dental appointments. <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew that was you into I it. know you so well. Walked into I it. I know you so well. Walked into it. The news that David Raya is being targeted by Arsenal as a target, as as a new goalkeeper, obviously. I was going <laughs> to... don't know why that needs to be clarified, but as a new goalkeeper for Arsenal. Uh, sort of £40 million uh, mark, £40 million euros, both Fabrizio Romano and David Ornstein have confirmed it, so it must be true. Um, and all of those accounts that think they have information have been posting timers and Spanish flags and stuff. So, listen, this must be, this must be close. Um, yes, came out this afternoon so i'm still processing the news and i think it's something that is a a paradigm shift really in many different senses in terms of how we view uh our culture i think i think this is like a seriously important move for a number of reasons um firstly it's obviously huge for aaron ramsdale someone we've just signed for a to a new contract someone who uh, I think everyone basically saw as our guaranteed number one, someone who was not going to be moving. And as much as we know that Aaron Ramsdale isn't perfect, I don't think there's anyone on planet Earth who would have gone, yeah, the, that's the position that we needed to target. Secondly, in terms of the culture change, because, you know, we have all these conversations about Mikel being ruthless and about us needing to take advantage of, you know, things in the market. But then ultimately, people like me, <laughs> that happens. And my first response is like, well, hang on a minute, we've got Ramsdale. And actually, you know, is this a is this a change in terms of our culture? That's probably a, a discussion point to be to be had in terms of the ruthlessness and how we approach squad building. And then thirdly, in terms of just how we approach squad building in general. I mean, we kind of know that the first eleven is dead, but to this point where we have two top quality, I mean, literally Premier League top six standard, I would say that David Raya is goalkeepers. Yeah, I'm surprised in rotation. he didn't get Spurs. If I'm honest, same. I think he's a top six keeper in rotation, I think will be the first time that that's happened at a Premier League club. So, uh, and I could be wrong, but I think that's the first time it's happened. So yeah, it's it's a big move and a big uh, shift. Brad, I'll come to you first. We've all had a look this afternoon. We've all had a look at the stats. We've all thought about it. How are you making sense of this? Because I'm, I'm also conscious of like doing that thing where, you know, like, you know, when the Havertz thing happened and we all sort of like vaguely talked our way into it, like we also went up, oh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I actually always knew that we were going to get habits. I, I am conscious of doing that with David Ryan, just sort of assuming that it's a good move because I, you know, I, I want it to be because it's my club. I do feel it's a good move. I think there's some question marks, especially around prioritization. But again, I will always say order of business does not equal priority. Who knows what we're going to do next? You know, and this might just be an opportunity that that has come up, and it means the basic question. Have Arsenal got better through signing David Raya and selling Matt Turner? The answer is yes. So maybe yeah. we should just shut up and be happy. <laughs> Unequivocally. Uh, yeah, to jump in, I think there's a few interesting things that we need to 
to kind of revisit. Uh, one being that David Raya was our first goalkeeper target under Mikel Arteta. For 10 million, uh, and then we, <laughs> Yeah, and then we couldn't strike a deal with Brentford, so we ended up going for Runison. And then, uh, obviously... <laughs> <laughs> we obviously know how that went and uh, and then ended up with Ramsdale. So I think there is a long-standing interest in the player, uh, which is no surprise seeing as our goalkeeping coach in Yaki Kanya worked with him at Brentford. Uh, we, you know, we, we got him from Brentford, so obviously he knows him very well. I don't know if anyone remembers, but this is a very good moment for me because I very much, when, when this was all happening, was very much pushing for the move. I think he's, oh, yeah, he's you unbelievable did. You with were, the ball. You kept I was quite early on it. Yeah. Um, I think the way that he side volleys the ball as well, distribution-wise, is fantastic. Um, I think that they are, if there is an axis between kind of shot stopping on one side and 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 ball playing on the other side, I think both uh, I think both keepers are almost at the same point on opposite points of the axis. Ramsdale's good with his feet, but is ve- quite quite good between the sticks. I think, uh, whereas. It's the opposite for Raya. He's very good with his feet. I, I don't think he's the best in terms of shot stopping. But um, I think if you... It, it's it's a really interesting thing because I think this is a market opportunity signing. Nobody has gone in for him. Chelsea are probably now the only club that would be looking for a keeper, but are still stuck to four more years or three more years, I think, of Kepa's 190 grand a week deal. I think they're off to Sanchez so, as well. Yeah, Um and and yeah, they're after Sanchez, which makes sense seeing as they've stolen pretty much 90% of Brighton in the last three years or however long, 12 months, fucking whenever. Um, but I think I think this is a market opportunity. I think we've seen the opportunity to um, up... I'm just going to... Uh, seen the opportunity to uh, to grab a player with a year left on his deal that wants to move out and and... You know, it, it provides very, very good competition. Yeah, and, and statistically that kind of piles out. If you look at David Ryers versus Ramsdale's, you know, uh, Ramsdale is in the bottom 12th, is in the 12th percentile, which is the low end for, for touches. And, you know, Ryers in the 94th, though um, he tends to launch the ball more than Ramsdale. Uh, the average length of goal kicks is around the same. Cross is stopped, actually. Raya uh, profiles much better. Defensive actions outside the penalty area as well, he profiles much better. Um, obviously, I think Ramsdale's had a bit of a poor season come the end with all the problems with Rob Holding in terms of post-shot expected goals. So um, I think that those stats compared to each other are a bit almost not unfair, but they're unrepresentative of the qualities of, of each player. Um but I, I I don't know how I see this playing out in terms of number one. Uh, I think we've got a settled number one in Ramsdale. Um, David Rice, obviously, he's, I think he's four years older, 20, 28, or is turning 28. So, listen, we've all, we've all said that we want to be ruthless. And I don't think this is a change in the culture of the club. But I think um, the change in the culture of the club happened a long time ago. We've often said that we want big uh we want competition for places we want people to 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 kind of fight for their spots we we don't we don't want to become a club that's that's just allowing a set 11 to rest on its laurels and such um and to bring in like you say another goalkeeper who is of top six standard who has got three years now of premier league experience who is a player that we know quite well due to the the links with the goalkeeping coach and is a player that we were already interested. I think there was a reason that we were interested. We just couldn't strike a deal. It's smart business. And like you say, it wouldn't be the first thing on the list that I would do. But if the first thing on the list that we would do next, we can't do yet because we have to wait for outgoings. This one makes sense. Matt Turner will be not short of suitors. Uh, apparently Nottingham Forest are in for him. Uh, you could also go back to America for possibly around the same fee. Um, whereas if you look at the situation that we've got in the other position that I think that we'll probably look to strengthen this summer, which is right wing, look at the players that have come back in the squad. I'll just bring that up super quickly. Uh, Marquinhos is back. No loan set up for him yet. We've obviously got Pepe back. We've still got Nelson and there's lots of kind of minutes around that kind of slot that, that 
might end up being that we don't go for a right winger this summer just because the area is so congested. So I think that we need to be patient on the moves that we that we want to see, like a right winger, like maybe another option in the forward line um, and or maybe another midfielder. But we have to understand that when these opportunities come up, they're very few and far between. Goalkeepers are like gold dust. And like you say, this has never been done before. What team has ever had... Th- teams have had competition. You know, I think of Tostegan and Claudio Bravo and and um, Cassias and, and Maxi Lopez. Like very, very... Two very good keepers. Not two keepers who are possibly in the top 15 keepers in the world. Mm. Yeah. Like, and I, I think you make a the good- same club. You make a good point about on the right wingers thing because like how can you justify a purchase of someone who's going to come in on that side right now and also you put yourself in a difficult position from a sales perspective because if you're if you're bringing in another guy in that position and and Nicola Pepe becomes your seventh choice right-sided attacker it becomes a very difficult thing to be like well no, we really yeah. want to keep him let's have another extra five million George I don't need to set you up I know you've got thoughts on this go for it there's um there's a couple things that you got to contend with, right? Because I think most people kind of confuse any opposition to this deal as you not liking the player. And I think it's the complete opposite. You know, I kind of threw up a little tweet on the Twittersphere where I, I talked about Big how mistake. brilliant of a keeper. Big mistake. Yeah. No, never do that. Never do that. Don't tweet on Twitter. <laughs> mistake number yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's mistake number one. Um, you know, I, I think he's a brilliant keeper. I think he provides a lot more of like a synergy complement to kind of the Ramsdale distribution profile, right? Like one of the big things that I think, even if you looked at the pros of what Matt Turner had could give you, one thing that you do recognize is that there's a distribution gap there. And really in terms Mm. of understanding what our buildup impact would be without an Aaron Ramsdale and kind of how much that has actually deteriorated us over the last couple seasons, it's so clear from an Arsenal perspective what is really exciting about David Ray. And one thing, just to get a little bit technical about it, because, you know, one thing that I love about him is his long passing. You kind of mentioned the technique really quickly, Brad, about that side foot. But, you know, I oh, think it's in general... Oh, it's fucking beautiful. It's like... It's gorgeous. There's a, there's, a, there's, a great, there's a great YouTube clip of it. I'll see if I can find it and we can put it in the description. Because it's... It's when I, it, it's I know the exact one you're talking about. Yeah. It's like inside a dome. And it, it, it's gorgeous. But, you know, the one thing that I, I wanted to worth noting is our build-up change kind of going forward has been more focused going long. We've had a long discussion about Aaron Ramsdale's distribution and why we don't see those central passes into the between the lines, kind of to Oba, to whatnot. It's been a critique from fans, but really we've seen this shift where Mikel is going long a lot more to create these kind of faux transitions to kind of recruit second balls in the middle third as opposed to our beginning third. And when you start to add a David Rea-esque long passing accuracy to that ideology, you start to connect the dots and say, wow, this could be a really interesting combination that we could start to see because we've already seen the baby steps in preseason, how our buildup might change. The issue that I've got is from completely David Reyes' side, like I consider him, along with Aaron Ramsdale, by the way, as having been one of the top three to five keepers in the league last season. And he's that level of competition. And on one hand, you always want to kind of predicate something with, look, Mikel wants to create an environment of competing. But guys, this is, in essence, equivalent to Man City going after um, Ivan Tony, and while still having kind of Erling Holland. And you're sitting there saying, look, brilliant players, brilliant profiles that offer you kind of a synergy of what one might want to do. But how do both kind of achieve happiness? Coexist, and I start to yeah. look at... Yeah, and I start to look at what's the historical comparison for this, by the way? Uh, Casillas and Diego Lopez, maybe Bravo and Ter Stegen. But guys, how long did that partnership last between those two keepers, two seasons max? So I'm sitting here. It's not that I think it's a bad deal. I actually think it's a win-win for Arsenal no matter what. Either you get a better Aaron Ramsdale or B, you end up getting a sellable asset that you can definitely complete because any deal for David Rea, he is in the last year of his contract. It's not for much more than 25 to 30 million pounds. So you're not losing value buying this player. You're not appreciating an asset that maybe is on stupid wages. I've seen this argument that we gave Ramsdale kind of a a bump. Guys, he was given a um, second kind of keeper deputy wage when he first came. It simply was to reflect his standing in the team. That doesn't mean that it's an inordinate wage that you can't move on. Say Aaron Ramsdale was to He's on 110 grand a week, I think. Yeah. 110 grand a week for a starting goalkeeper at a top six club is still peanuts, <laughs> by the way. Like that is that is not an inordinate wage. So, and I think David Ray is on something like 25 pounds, uh, like K per week. Like someone I double check that. Right but, now, he's on 25 pounds on a week. 25, 25 <laughs> grand a week. 
Yeah, yeah. The, well, there you go. So then if he was to go to Arsenal, say you triple that wage, 75, you still, even on a deputy salary, are on something very, very manageable. So I think the wage allocation hit isn't the attack here. The one thing that, you know, it's obviously worth noting, Anaki Kana and him have a very excellent relationship. A big reason why that first link came out was because Anaki Kana was definitely somebody, one of his favorites, you know, so to speak. And they actually share the same agent. Fun fact. So there's connections. There's reasons to like really be excited about this, but um, still confused how we're going to compromise on the feasibility differences here because there's a lot of minutes to share here. Who's that on the phone? <laughs> it's Mikel. Um, yeah, I, I there's there's a lot of good points you both bring up. I suppose the real thing that, that sticks out to me is... There's lots of reasons this deal makes sense. I think Arsenal is a win-win for it. And there's a, as George was kind of mentioning, whatever happens, we're going to get either a better Aaron Ramsdale or we're going to end up with a better keeper. Like, you know, I don't think Arsenal lose in this situation. The thing that, the only way I could possibly see it is like, you know, do you depreciate either of the assets or do you make one of them unhappy or whatever? But I don't think either of them are going to gonna have, you know, no suitors. You know, let's say if we tried to sell them and, you know, I think it would be a pretty swift exit if we did need to do that. And, you know, ultimately, I don't think that kind of bitterness is going to fly in a Mikel team. Either you get on with it and you try and you compete as hard as you can or you don't. And I also think from a Ramsdale perspective, or, or you get out of the club. And also I think from a Ramsdale perspective, he um, probably needs that. It's not to say he was comfortable, but I think Ramsdale thrives on pressure. You know, we've seen him, we've seen him talk about those away days and talk about those moments and um, in hostile environments. And he loves that. And I think if there's anything that's going to get Ramsdale riled up, as we saw with Bernd Leno, you saw the sort of, you just look in his eyes in those interviews when he's talking about when he was trying to get in over Leno. And he was just like, that was my only goal basically just get in the sticks between you know and I'm not letting it go after that so it's completely understandable for me though Brad like the more exciting part maybe is the cultural thing Arsenal don't do this we don't do this we don't we don't sign players who we kind of it's not to say that we don't need we've signed players who are like let's say you're in timber you know I would have said I would have said this summer and, and we have done it previously in Wenger as it's happened before you know, it, but this summer, let's 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 take a year in timber. It's happened where we've signed players who, like, I wouldn't say we were desperate for a right-sided, in inverted commas, uh, defender in that sort of profile. We, it's nice to have. It's important. I think it's going to facilitate a lot for us. But there was that at like the top of everyone's list, the idea of like we need a right-sided defender. Probably not. But what we haven't done before is had a clear number one goalkeeper or a clear number one striker who is like, you know, the start, let's say like a Van Persie, right? We didn't have Van Persie then go out and sign like Ben Zimmer. Do you know what I mean? Like we didn't do it. That's not what we do. And it's not, it's not the club culture. So I think that's the exciting part is that's, that's, ne that's, that's never been, as far as I'm concerned from my perspective, and I could be wrong, and I'm, this is probably recency bias. I can't remember an Arsenal signing where we had a absolutely dead set number one, just been given a new contract, who then we, in the same summer, go and sign someone who is as good and you could argue better. Yes, but I, I, I will temper this by the idea that, so there's no report of a bid. It said that Arsenal are exploring the move, right? That could be as little as talking to David Ryer and going, how would you like to come here? We want to win the league. We want to go far in the Champions League. Uh, you'll play number two. But I, I just did the maths. Arsenal played 50 games this season, right? We didn't go far in any of the the um, national competitions, like the English competitions. We also could have gone further in the Europa League, right? We only played 50 games. So if you take, okay, on average, I think we'll probably have a better season next season. We'll go further in these competitions. Let's say we play 55. That's 5,000 minutes of football. You can keep Aaron Ramsdale and David Ryan happy by saying Ramsdale's going to play 3,000, Ryan's going to play 2,000. Or you're both going to play... 2,000 minutes of football is still... Uh, is still... 22 full 90s. That's a, sh that's a lot of football. I don't think it's impossible that it can be done to keep those people happy, especially because they're, they're stylistic analogues. You're going to be asking them to do the same things. You're not going to be, it's not going to be like Matt Turner where he, he, he cannot do what Ramsdale does. So I do think there's an opportunity for this to work, especially because he's going from Brentford to Arsenal. He's going into the Champions League. He'll obviously get 
uh, bumped up wages, like George said, maybe you triple that. I, I think this is definitely something that can be explored. I agree with you. I don't think this has ever happened in terms of there's been a settled number one that no anyone that's saying that they they foresaw this stuff with Ramsdale is is talking around out of their ass because at the end of the day 73 days ago he was given a new contract and whilst people might shout out about pigeon gate during southampton i refer <laughs> back to to villa to bournemouth to to anfield. liverpool uh, anfield you know that that man saved us more last season than he cost us. So have a real long, hard look at yourself if you're using this as an opportunity to run an agenda. Be honest about it. The guy did a lot better for us in his best moments than he he did worse for us in his bad ones. I, um, just on that, I don't think there's... I, th I think there's people who can say that they think Aaron Ramsler had growth potential, but the idea that he needed replacing wasn't... Let's, let's be clear, wasn't like a absolute dead cert there's probably sections of the fan base that say he's not good enough but like i'd say 90 80 90 yeah but there are sections of this fan base that said that bukayo saka wasn't good enough anyone and that you and you also need to that. give players space right you need to give players space george i just want to come to you because brad makes a good point about the you know i just looked up man city they had 61 games last season on a practical yeah. level let's say we do sign david Royer, how do you see that working who do you see taking what minutes how do you literally practically how do you see it functioning Look, I do. I, I'm not going to lie. I find it difficult because I kind of go back to my earlier point. Is there a historical comparison? I mean, it, it's all well and good assuming that we can split games from a numbers perspective, but that's also kind of not how goalkeeping works Rhythm. in general. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really do think that it's the one position in the starting 11 that you can't necessarily swap in and out as easily. Like you do need a set idea and people need to be comfortable with kind of that back line and that leader, right? Like it is a unique situation there. But again, that's not to say that it can't happen. I'm just looking at it from a selfish perspective of David Rea. I'm top three to five goalkeepers in the Premier League. I'm 27. I want to become the number one of the Spanish national team. All this stuff helps being at Arsenal, but does it help being number two or at least competing? And no matter what you might think, like I'm just struggling to understand it's a big risk from his perspective. And the one thing that I'm going to agree with, though, this is a very superficial conversation, by the way, because we haven't once talked about the player and how brilliant he really is in this analysis. It's all why does his, the minute fit? Or how do we fit with minutes? And by the way, that's the first question Davin Rea is asking when he's moving from Brentford. Okay. So I have under kind of no illusion that, you know, this has been spoken about quite a bit. And if he was to come, this has been ironed out well in advance. Again, the, the only issues that I've really got with the deal are the feasibility aspect of it. And I think what fans are confused about is if you drew up a list of outfield players left in terms of priorities, and we all understand that, you know, timing doesn't equal priority, but nonetheless, you drop holes in the squad, having a backup keeper that replaces Matt Turner wasn't necessarily, you know, the next most important thing. And I always felt that Matt Turner would leave because I kind of warned that, you know, with the World Cup kind of approaching and even the Euro Cup, by the way, Matt Turner would want to leave within 18 months of signing for us because he needs to be on that plane as number one for the U.S. So it's come a summer earlier than I thought, but that's the market opportunity aspect, guys. Like he's in the last year of contract. So if you're going to be doing this even next summer, regardless, um, it's not as though it's a priority that was, you know, four or five years down the line. It was definitely a year issue that was going to come up. So maybe we're fast forwarding it. I just think it gives us probably the most elite goalkeeping depth in the world. Who ha who can boast a goalkeeping duo of Aaron Ramsdale and David Rea? Um, no one. No like one. no one. It's no one does. So it's it's from an Arsenal perspective and selfishly, I'm salivating. I think it's phenomenal. Um, and, and look, there is a lot of things. I do believe that a large portion of this um, is success driven. And the, the last point I'll make on it is I look at some of our old teams of the past and I look at Kanu and I look at kind of the, the, the will towards and I think of those type of strikers, guys, they were top six strikers in their day as well. They were on the bench because of the sheer quality of squad that we had. And we were able to keep everybody busy, even with reduced minutes for their individual stardom. But that's because they were involved in success at the highest game, right? So when you look at it, you do have a certain authority being the top dog. And I think a lot of players are looking at Arsenal and saying, okay, look, this is a team that's on the precipice of doing some special things. I want to be on board. 
And even if it doesn't make complete sense on an individual level, I see the benefit in making sure to align myself with this moving train and being spoken about in that limelight rather than maybe being a number one at, say, um, a, a villa. Or, which I do, by the way, I don't think that's his level, but I mean, I, I do think he's a top six keeper, but still, even number one at Spurs is not the same as competing at Arsenal. I'm sorry. So it, it just, it just isn't. So to kind of cut across I, that I can as see well, the logic. You, you, like you say, if he's going to get at least 2,000 minutes out of the 6,000 available, which is likely if we're going deep in competitions. You, looking at that from a profile move and the, the visibility on you, no one else has, has come in for him concretely this summer. There's been a loan move purported uh, by Bayern Munich that has obviously been rejected because he's in the last year of his contract. Spurs have just signed a new number one. Manchester United have signed a new number one. Chelsea look like they're in the market for Sanchez, but it's it's still a difficult situation because of the amount of money that Kepa's on. And if you're going to, to, to Chelsea, not only are you competing with Kepa at that point, but you're competing with him for the, for the Spanish national team. So when people look at you and look to that, they're going to see both kind of, they're going to see it. You know, if you playing second fiddle to Ramsdale is very different to playing second fiddle to Kepa because the Spanish national team will just look at it and go, well, you can't even do it at fucking club level. So why are we going to pick you over him there? It's, and if if a big move is not going to materialise for him to a big club like a Bayern Munich, like a Dortmund or a bigger club in Spain or Italy, like going to, say, um, into Milan to replace Onana, if one of those moves is not going to materialise, going to Arsenal and playing second fiddle and playing two, two and a half thousand minutes is the most high-profile high move he's going to get this summer with a World Cup coming up. And in his head, he might think... I can go there for two years, be sold on to another team when, when another team has the money and is ready to buy a keeper in their prime age. Arsenal will make a good profit. I'll get the opportunity to showcase my skills before a World Cup and possibly stake my claim as number one. Yeah, I think I think the the biding his time aspect of that I do I do buy I do buy. And I, I think like from a from a goalkeeper's perspective, at twenty seven, you're still pretty young. You still probably got. You, you could arguably have ten years of your career left. You know, you've already had probably ten years. And I look at David Rye's career path up to this point. You know, Blackburn Rovers for five years had a loan to Southport, and he's been at Brentford in the Championship. And obviously, you know, they got up, but that was. Uh, I think he's been there two or three years. So you know, he's not the most experienced goalkeeper. This is the first thing where he can go right. I can go to a club where I know. I know the coach, I speak his language. I know the, the goalkeeping coach, I speak his language. I can be really comfortable there. I may not stay there forever, but I might win something serious. And then the and then when the right opportunity arises, I know Arsenal, maybe he might be saying to them, look, either I become your number one or within 12 months. We don't know the conversations, but I can imagine the conversation from both perspectives of Mikel looking at it and going, look, David, come join us. Either within 12, 18 months, you're our number one and we've sold Aaron Ramsdale. And we would love, you know, maybe that will happen. And maybe that's, maybe you stake a claim because I guarantee he's not saying I'm guaranteeing you minutes. He'll say, you can come here. And if you work hard and if you prove yourself, you could be our number one. But he'll be saying that to Ramsdale as well. I, I, I can't imagine Mikel ever at any point in his conversations with players saying something along the lines of, oh yeah, you're guaranteed to start. Like, I just can't see that happening. But what I can see him happening is saying to David, look, come in. Because very quickly, there might be a situation where a manager gets sacked mid-season, they're looking for a new goalkeeper, they're looking, you know, next summer, whatever it is, the right deal might come up. We won't stand in your way if you've not become number one by that point. And with Aaron Ramsdale, he's probably saying to him, look, mate, we're getting this guy in because he's an incredible goalkeeper and Matt Turner's leaving. We don't have a number one in our heads. And the same, it's the same thing he said to him the summer he arrived when Emmy Martinez was there. He said, we don't have a number one in our heads. We, there's Leno, there's you, and there's Martinez. See, see what you want to do. Martinez leaves, and then, um, well, I can't remember the, the order of things, but cer certainly, basically, Ramsdale was told there isn't a number one. You know, we, we still haven't made that decision. So Martinez I think was sold because we had a year of we had a year of Runison before. Sure. So it was the I think it's conflating the Martinez conversation where he was ninety percent sure to start the first game of the season, which was against Fulham, because they were he was specifically told there isn't a number one. But yeah, well, whatever order that happened in, that was the that was the conversation that was had with Ramsdale when he came in, right? So I imagine that conversation is still going on. Look, you played as our number one, and we want you to go to the next level. Here's you know here's the pathway. Here's how you can do that. 
we're getting this guy in. We're not saying anyone's going to be number one. It'll be who performs best. And I think Ramsdale thrives in that. So I think you have two thriving goalkeepers. And in the end, that can only happen for Arsenal Football Club. Could be copium, but I, I, I can see that working, George. I just, uh, again, like it would have to break precedent for me. Like I could see it happening in the short but term. But isn't that exciting? And I think that's, that's what I'm saying. Isn't that, to that precedent being broken? Huge, huge, because that's what again, it kind of goes this. back. Well it, well, it goes back to the first point about ruthlessness, right? And at the end of the day, for all of high standards FC, Mikel Arteta is the one that has the highest standards out of any one of us, you know? And it, and look, I, I know you've said like you're really excited about the culture. I was shocked once Granit Xhaka left. I'll be honest with you. For me, that was the culture breaking. Oh my God. Because that was the emotional crutch of Mikel Arteta's coaching philosophy for over two to three years. Once I saw he was willing to grant that, regardless of it being a predetermined discussion, I was like, okay, culturally, we're there. Now, like the actual impact of us kind of doing this with, you know, David Rea and Aaron Ramsdale, I think it's the most um, upfront example for fans to see because everybody understands the um, the kind of singularity of a, a goalkeeping position in a team. Like it, it is really quite cut and dry. Like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It is the one position that I struggle with rotation with. Um, and the only thing that I can say is I'm excited for Arsenal's ruthlessness. I'm excited for David Rea's bravery because it takes a lot of bravery for him to choose this. But also, everybody's looking at this project as stable, by the way. Um, whether, um, you know, you look at it as a long-term goal, a short-term goal. The one thing I think that we need as fans to just recognize a bit and be a little bit more open to is stop being black and white to who's in our starting 11s. And the one thing that maybe it'll challenge is that new signing doesn't equal starting. I've been trying to temper this with a lot of our signings. And fundamentally, when people start asking for depth, by the way, about having a 16 to 17 squad that you really, really trust, that means recruiting top, top quality so that when you do change the starting 11, that you're not left wanting a replacement that's good for four or five games you need a 20 to 30 game level replacement because again because we we should well it's really like like we've we're we're so used to so long having a situation where a new a new signing would go straight into the starting 11 because we were shit because that's what was needed we've just challenged for the premier league title with Aaron Ramsdale in goal. And Aaron Ramsdale is not the reason we didn't win the Premier League. If anything, he's one of the major reasons that we were there in the first place, getting us vital points against Liverpool. You know, I, like you say, it's not a guarantee of starting. Even even the price point isn't a guarantee of starting. Kai Havertz, we've just bought for 60, however much million, well, 45 million and then 15 in add-ons or whatever it is. And his mother's second cousin receives a Bugatti or whatever the fuck we're doing. But there's no guarantee that we don't play a Rice party in Odegaard midfield for most of the season, next season. It's going to be whatever works best. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, George, I don't know if you had anything more to say there, but but yeah, I, I think there's a very exciting, there's a possibly a very exciting, if this happens, a very exciting thing there. And I think, Brad, you hit on a, an important point, that idea that, we have this idea that we're signing the future of the position every single time we make a signing, which is what we've been doing for a long time. But now we can start to be like, well, maybe this guy's only going to be on the train for six months. Um, and can he help us? Can he come in and make Arsenal better? Yes. There is always a, there's always a prettier girl in the room. And, you know, I think from transfer window perspectives, everybody looks at the next thing to buy. There is a bit of shiny toy syndrome here. The one thing I will say that there's been a lot of critiques about squad building perspectives here. And um, by the way, when you look at kind of what David Rea is on paper, that's the most confusing thing I've heard because you're actually buying a keeper that's older than Aaron Ramsdale, that's Premier League experience, that has a kind of mentor-esque ability and can teach him things as well. By the way, on paper, that's the perfect thing that you need from a backup perspective, by the way. He just happens to have the quality that he himself could start for 30 games. So I don't understand the critiques on the squad building aspect because I think age-wise, they're definitely different enough that I'm not really concerned. But yeah, no, I'm in love with this deal, deal, mate. I I love it. It's Mikel again. Well, my problem is, boys... George, we need you. George, we need you, to- you are so fucking clever, George. You, the way for B license is so important, guys. It's so fucking important. We are the fucking standards. The fucking standards. My problem is I've got two top-class podcasters in front of me who can both be my number one, but only one of them gets to stay after this. So who's it going to be? you gotta, you got to fight it out for the minutes. We'll see you. After this. Oh!
Welcome back to the second part of the show. And thank you to those of you who are in the Different Knock Members Club. Join at patreon.com forward slash diffknock and get access to the exclusive Discord server, ad-free versions of all of our content, including video and podcasts, including these podcasts. The Instant Reaction, which will be back on Wednesday. The Rewatch and bonus video content for just £3 a month, for goodness sakes, also available through YouTube memberships for video content. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash diffknock. You can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. See, we're sharing out the minutes. We're sharing out the minutes between the podcasters. <laughs> Very good indeed. We have a question from TJ. Uh, George, I'll come back to you on this. How do you guys interpret the re- recent inertia Man City have been showing in the market? I've heard Pep say that every summer he needs to change something in his team. Otherwise, they won't have the same motivation to go and win everything Again, just want to quickly say this before I let you go, George. It is interesting. They have a very thin squad and people say, well, no, they don't. It's like, hang on a minute. In terms of the, those front three positions, the guaranteed lights out these are these positions. Haaland, Alvarez, Grealish. Okay, De Bruyne can play there. Foden can play there. Bernardo can play there. But in terms of those three, you know, guaranteed positions, those are the three that they have now. They lost Riyad Mahrez. Cole Palmer, you could argue, but looks like he might be going out on loan or going on permanent. He might have gone on loan, actually. I'm not sure, but, you know, he's clearly not someone that Pep thinks is the guy or maybe he's going to change. Regardless, there's lots of question marks there. And this is why I'm so keen to get as a quick start because we saw last season that ability for us going into the season out of that preseason, which was so electric, getting that 6-7-0 or whatever it was against Sevilla. I think that counted for so much heading into the season, that opening game against Crystal Palace. If we're looking for marginal gains, if it's going to be a one or two points in it, we have to start early at, at you know, Nottingham Forest day one. Like, and this is the, and I'm sure Mikel will get them up for it. But it's just for me, George, it's another reason why those early games are super important. Because if we can get a five point margin on City just early because they haven't got their squad sorted, it could be the difference at the end at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean I I think that City are a question mark. At the end of the day, um, and everybody is convinced they're going to do something because they have to. I mean, they've lost so many people, right? I mean, when you look at it, the one thing that I'm no matter what kind of interested in is their leadership potential, mate. Like they've lost Gundogan, Mares, uh, potentially Bernardo Silva is a very big core to have lost. Um, regardless of whether or not you're replacing them, right? Like, let's let's debate the Kovacic quality at another time. Let's debate their replacement, Gavardiol. Like, let's debate those qualities differently when you upheave a team. And by the way, we, to an extent, are going to have to have that with Granit Xhaka. Like, he is a big co- component as a fabric of the club. I do think that building partnerships take time. And so I don't worry about City in the long run, but I agree with you. I think the first 15 to 20 games, let's say, there's an opportunity to catch a team that hasn't played together as often as we have. That that, that simply kind of is the truth of the matter. And, and you're looking at things um, like luck with injuries and you're starting to say, well, okay, like this is a team that clearly has just won the treble. So, you know, it seems odd to call them weaker after the transfer window. But, you know, you are looking at the current state of affairs and saying, listen, that is light. Um I think that they are going to pull off either a big kind of midfielder or a winger to kind of appease this um, overturn. I really struggle to see kind of Riyad Mars and Bruno Silva be offloaded, for example. And by the way, of course, it's not done. But I mean, I think that that's kind of the next logical conclusion of Dembele leaving Barcelona. You start to connect the dots and saying, well, what's the move that City are going to do? I just think, and I've said this for a while when we were competing for top four, have a look at your own lawn and make sure that, you know, you're not looking over your shoulder because I think that, you know, for me, I focus on what we're doing on the pitch and I feel strongly in the fact that if we were to continue our principles, we will be there as funny as everybody likes to rinse them. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I just, I, I'm I, I kind of, I don't, I don't know guys. This seat. I can assure you. I just, (laughs) I I just have this supreme confidence in terms of what we're doing, and I feel as though that a large reason for our drop off last season was when we couldn't rotate or at least effectively maintain our principles. That's really what I believe, and I I do think that focusing on yourself is the big thing. So I don't look at where I'm going to get extra points, where I'm going to do these kind of extra goal difference 
metrics. Like how many goals do you think we need to win the title, George? Like I don't look at football that way. So I can appreciate that City are going through a transformation. But guys, at the same time, I know we are. And our midfield is going through a very big transformation. So I appreciate that there's going to be growing pains, but I do feel that the biggest um, challenge is going to be in that first 15 to 20 games for both teams, Arsenal and City. Any good analysis is not, is not solo factorial. And, you know, it's it's not to say, I think we should absolutely just entirely focus on ourselves and just try and win our game. That's all that matters. Let's not worry about City. But it's nice as fans, I think. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't, for example, be telling Mikel, T- tell them that City are going to be, you know, City are going to be slightly in disarray. No, don't worry about that. But yeah, I, I think I think as fans we can we can enjoy that. Did you see the um, the clip of him talking about Haaland where he went sixty goals? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, Brad, what's your take on the sort of competition more generally? About a question from Caleb on the Discord, who just simply says, "Is Chelsea back?" No. <laughs> who, who the fuck have they signed? No, you don't go from being twelfth. Who have they signed? Let's get this up because, like, Chelsea fans are talking far too fucking much for a team that finished twelfth, have a manager who's only just come it. Like, you just put fifty p in just, George, and he just he just goes. It's I great just, fun. <laughs> I, I, it's just so, it's so stupid. It's are they back? In are life. they fuck? Let's get this out. Well, they've signed that Disassi guy, haven't they? George, who's do you know Desassi? Yes, any good? Axel Desassi, no, he's good. Um, no, he, for, for, <laughs> for no. Um, look, he he he's a decent player. I just I think that you know he's got some. He's really clunky. Um, he's an athlete first kind of defender, and I just don't think that he was the, kind of the profile that they needed to um, kind of complement. Let's say um, a Cole Will or a Badiashile. Yeah. You know, like I I think that they've got previous. By the way, like you know Desassi and Badiashile have played together, but. Um, I, I just think as a player, he's insanely overpriced. Uh, I think that there were better players on the market. For example, Tadebo. If you were going to spend forty-five million pounds, you absolutely could have gone for that. I think that you know Tapsoba is something more that I'm going to be looking at as a more beneficial signing for that kind of money. Um, is Desassi going to do the job? Sure, but I mean, if you're going to look at somebody to kind of lead your build up or be a really big stalwart in the team, I don't think that Desassi, compared to let's say your Saliba. Because again, I look to Saliba as the kind of gold standard that people have to beat in that right center back position. And so if you're going to ask me, am I comfortable with Disassi competing against William Saliba? I would be not happy with that. Is he a good player? Sure. It's never the hyperbole. But I mean, if you're Chelsea, you're looking to oust Arsenal and Manchester City. Is he better than Stones? And and that's that's not the level. That's really, Brad, like where I feel when I'm looking at Liverpool, I look at United, I look at Chelsea. And again, I always think we should focus on ourselves. But sometimes as fans, it's nice to look around and be like, where's everyone else at? I don't look at anything they're doing and think that's worrying I think that it's probably improving them like what Liverpool have done there's an evolution going on there etc etc but I, I don't look at them and go even with Hoyland he is raw man very good player but raw yeah I mean in terms of Chelsea they've signed Nicholas Jackson uh, a right winger called Angelo who's good on football manager from what Angela. I remember and Christopher well, and my mum's mate um, you look at those and and now this Desassi kid. You look at these three signings, and like you say, Nicholas Jackson. I think he scored like thirteen goals in La Liga last season. Nine of uh, which happened in like the tail end of yeah, like last season. Very much like a big purple patch. Although he looks exciting, I must say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Nkunku, who uh, whilst this had a good time in the Bundesliga, you, I look at that signing and I look at where football's going and I go second striker does not exist in the Premier League. Maybe he could play false nine, but is that what Chelsea are trying to do? Especially seeing as they've outlaid 37 million on, on Nicholas Jackson as well. I, I, It depends what you mean by back. They'll do better than they did last season. Of course they will. They'll probably get back into the Europa League or the Conference League. They will oust a team like Tottenham or they will oust a team like Villa. They will be nowhere near Champions League qualification next season with the window they're currently having. They're not a team to worry about. Like you say, Liverpool, they've done good business. There's an evolution going on there. But with Fabinho going, I wonder who they're going to get in at the at the base of their midfield. Um if it's Lavia, then I'm I'm really not worried because a 19-year-old kid who only performed in spits and spats for Southampton being your starting six and, you know, 
only real six is a a lot of pressure for for a kid who's played a year of Premier League football and not particularly well. Um, If they obviously, if they go out and sign someone like Cosedo, that changes the opinion. That's a a quality player there. Um, And United, I mean, they've done well. They've improved in goalkeeper. But like you say, they've spent £75 million on a kid who scored nine goals last season. There is no guarantee that Hoyland comes anywhere near the level. What they've done is they've taken an educated gamble. They've gone, his numbers look good. That type of profile is currently doing well. Maybe he'll mature into it. And because they're Manchester United, they've been bent over a barrel. But other than those two moves, I still look at their midfield and go, there's no second phase midfielders in there. Both Mount and Bruno want to be closer to the final third rather than in the areas that you're going to want them. I... All our rival, all our rivals have attempted solutions that don't address their clearest needs. No. I, I, that's as simply as yeah. I can put it. And, and ironically, ironically, I think that Newcastle have done the best of a bad bunch of business in theory. Like when I look at Lewis Hall, Livermento, that's a top quality fullback pairing. But then I look at Tonali, the bulk of their business. Why? Why did you buy another left central midfielder box to box when you needed an anchor? Like it is just so encapsulating that every single one of our rivals have done business that you could categorize as, oh, that's interesting. But have you addressed the major focus of what you need as a club. Liverpool, completely new midfield going towards possession football when their entire success was rooted in terms of hard workers, why they didn't target a Caicedo when they went for McAllister and Shabazzlai, I can't tell you. Um, you know, there are other ways to kind of use that money that I felt like would be a little bit more of a compliment. If you're going to spend the amount of money that they spent, why not look at Valverde, Yunus Musa, a right central midfielder that would allow Trent to do the work that he needs to do. You go to Chelsea, when have they, When are they going to buy a goalkeeper that's of the level? When are they going to buy a striker that's proven when goals was their biggest issue last year? I could go and kind of dissect every single one of our rivals. And lastly, Manchester United, when we look at that team, what were they missing the most last season? It wasn't ball striking and transition threat. It was a build-up player, somebody to help them in the middle of the park, get their foot on the ball. Maybe they don't want to do that, though. Midfield. <laughs> Maybe they don't want to do that. I think that's a huge mistake when you buy a kind of sweeper keeper that is the epitome of that. Um, And so it's just, it's confusing ideologies. And yes, they're good players individually in their own right, but there's no story to any of our rivals. Well, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Conflicting ideologies. Changing changing it slightly. Let's just move on because I don't want to spend linger too long on the on the whole rivals thing we've got a question from uh underscore kjafc underscore who says who's one player from the wenger final season squad you could see working in this team and to remind you that's like the debushi matsaka kashoni ramsey lacazette abamiang signs that ramsey's tailor-made for that left eight i think he would be so good yeah. and with do, the right- do we count um do we count santi or is that just because he's injured? He's not in there. No, we can have Santi. Maybe, yeah, Santi. Santi would be great. I th- Kishelny, maybe. I think he's a massively underrated centre-back for what he was. I mean, he's not as good with the ball, so he'd probably be replacing Gabriel in the system mm. rather than... It's difficult to say across generations, isn't it? Because, like, parent Kishelny would, would get absolutely run important. over now, but it really worked at the time, so... Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I I agree with you that Ramsey like arriving late, those third man runs could seriously like those like edge of the box like yeah. cutbacks in this system. I Ka- think it, Kai Havertz. Like, That's like what pl- we're going to try and create Kai Havertz with. Like plug and play a player into this system. Probably yeah, probably Ramsey. Although Wilshire, mate, oh that'll be naughty. I, yeah, I think Santi. I, I think Santi's one of those cross generation players. He's just so stupid technically that you know he could do whatever role that you want him to do. He basically is what we're trying to turn Trossard into, and I, and I think like that was a more complete version of that. So I mean, he could play so many different roles. Um, I, I'm kind of with you on Kashiani, by the way. Very underrated center back in general for me. I think he got plagued by the arsenal of that team as opposed to the quality of the player. I really think that was a strong player. I think there's always and the way he left. for Lauren Cosioni. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like the the the, the, the ill-advised taking off of the shirt reveal, whatever. Because I mean, I mean, the whole reason that that happened, I don't, I don't know if, if we've ever mentioned on the podcast, but it was because he was promised to leave. That promise was then yeah, broken. We reneged so on a promise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he um, and he refused to go on the tour and then you know Bob's your uncle that's his fault I'd say yeah that's Uh, completely his fault 
Question, question from Franco SKR, I can't read, on the Discord. He says, or, or she says, or they say, predictions for the season. Where will we finish in the league and other competitions? And I know George is dying to answer this because he loves these types of questions. But let's try and get him off the fence, Bradley. I'll start with you because I know you've got a hot take. Give me your finishing positions in the Premier League predictions, what you think will happen. Uh, finishing positions in the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup and the Champions League. And yes, of course, it all depends on me, 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 me but come on, have, have a bit of yeah. fun. Live a little. Yeah, look, you, you have to you have to preface it with the whole... All the know, caveats, City, yes, we know. City could go out and spend however much money, yada, 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 yada. Uh, I think we'll get to the semi-finals of the Champions League. I think we'll get <laughs> knocked out. Um, I don't see many teams in Europe competing to the same level that we were at the start of the season and you have to look at Arsenal's drop-off last season through the lens and the context of Gabriel Jesus had a massive injury and then William Saliba had a massive injury I think it was something like 11 games last season we played with what would have been our first choice 11 11 out of 38 that's a big 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 differential and especially seeing as we're now improving the depth and with a player like Kai Havertz, it means that we can use Kieran Tierney in a way that suits him. So if we don't have Zinchenko, we we don't have to see that that differential in quality of play that we can produce. Um, so I think we'll get to the semi-finals, and I think we'll lose out. And I think it'll be an experience thing. We'll go out to a team who's used to playing those moments. Uh, I think we'll win a domestic cup next season, whether that's the FA or the Carabao. I'm unsure. Uh, I can just see with the quality of depth and with the quality of youngsters coming through, I don't see us having the same problems that we've had in the last few years. Uh, and as things stand right now, obviously shitloads of business could be done and it could massively change the ecosphere of the whole league, right? But with, as with business as it stands, uh, Arsenal win the Premier League. I was having a conversation with um, with a friend of mine about this uh, and it's it's not a question of being positive, it's a question of, okay, have Arsenal improved? Yes, we've got in Declan Rice to replace Granite Xhaka in the squad. We've also added the weapon of Kai Havertz and we've added the weapon of Urian Timber. If we had Urian Timber last season, we would have won the Premier League last season. What have Man City lost? No other team, I think, especially with the business as it is now, no other team catches the level of Arsenal or Man City last season. Manchester United definitely don't and Liverpool don't. Newcastle don't. So what have City lost? A lot. They don't actually have a specialised right winger at the moment. They don't have a right winger. You know, they they have two left wingers and two centre forwards and three Pep, midfielders. Pep would sell his his entire family for Saka. You just know it. <laughs> yes, of course. He, he would. would sell his entire of family. Oh, it would be. And that's Guys, a move we laugh, that would have but I don't think I don't think we realize how important that extension was. I I, I yeah. honestly don't think we do. Yeah, especially at the time because there yep. could have been some serious moves right about now. But I I, th I just look at the teams around us and I go, have they improved to a level to catch us? No. Not at all. Have we improved on that level? Yes. So I I think that it's going to take a lot of business in the coming months to stop Arsenal from winning the Premier League. This is a team that got 50 points in the first 19 games. We spent 93% of the time on top of the table. And the only reason that we, we missed out on it is because of the injuries that we had in our squad. As much as rival fans tried to tell us that, oh, no, you should be able to play with Rob Holding, we watched him come on and slip over his own feet against Barcelona. Now, listen, it's obviously a player who's struggling with confidence. But now that that squad has been tinkered with to a level where we have Tom... I, th I think we win the league if we had Tommy Asu fit because we moved Ben White back to centre-back. You know, it was just so unfortunate that both got injured at the same time, right? So I think we win the Premier League. I think we probably win a cup. And I think we get knocked out of the Champions League in the semi-finals. George, I've got my scissors out, ready to clip you. Come on then, mate. <laughs> Walk yourself into this one. <laughs> the the most frustrating part of this at the both ends is that one city have done none of the buys that they're projected to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah of and, course. Of and course. Arsenal, and by the way, Arsenal aren't done. I still am of the big belief that we could see a big player, not just David Rea, we'll come by to the that. way. Yep. I think that... 
I think that with big sales, we could see a big, so Arsenal could look very different. As of now, with all the caveats, yada, yada, and then you start the clipping now about what I'm going to say as the projections. Um, so uh, I am kind of with Brad in terms of an exit from the Champions League. I actually think it's sooner, though. I think it's the quarterfinals. Um, and it's kind of just comes down to, I don't think we have a very good European record. Uh, and I think that the only way that changes, by the way, is if I get another huge quality addition into the squad, like I'm talking a marquee, because I think the Champions League is made of moments. And I think that that's how you win the Champions League with moments. You don't play with sponsored by pressure. Heineken. The Champions League is made uh, of moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a cup competition, right? So like I, I, I do feel as though that we need uh, killers. We need we need another killer personally in attack for, for the Champions League to take a big um, step up. And it's because I I foresee us struggling with the pedigree and also the experience. How many of our um, members currently have Champions League experience? Odegaard, Partey, um, that's it. Um, and, and for as and Havertz, Havertz yeah, and Simba. Uh, so 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 it's not it's not a lot. And so I just I can't imagine with our poor European record, just in general. By the way, when we should have smashed Olympiaco, Sporting, whatever, like there was no reason for us to lose those games. We don't do well in Europe, um, so I struggle. And the borders there. <laughs> basically the chelsea x's yeah, yeah, yeah um and and i think that with the domestic cups i'm with you brad i definitely want a trophy i see a trophy i see it being the carabao cup just to be different because i have a feeling that you know we're uh it's it's a cup competition that comes earlier and i think it's enough that we're gonna have a focus on it um because i think it's basically done by february Right. So for me, I, I just have this idea that potentially if we we're going to lose one of the cups, I would prefer to finish with a trophy in the middle of the season. Right. Um, and then the big one, the Premier League, where do I see? I, I'm look, I'm with Brad. I, I definitely think that we actually do it. I think we we have our Detroit Pistons summer moment where we basically have a look um, and. You know, uh, I think we get over our demons, so to speak. I just saw so much progress in this offseason, so much determination um, from kind of both the manager. And there was this icy, cool response. Do you guys see when that reporter made it kind of focus on um, Havertz? And he was like, the well, how do you deal with kind of the Shaka physicality? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the way he responded, it was beyond it was this very icy, cold kind of like making fun of the physicality aspect. And look, I mean, he's totally right to do that. But. The whole response of tranquilo, tranquilo. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you've actually made me calm. Like, I mean, like, it's kind of funny um, how that is. I I think that we take the next step. I think Declan Rice is such a huge factor in this, guys, that, look, I've eulogized about him for years. I can't then go back and say, like, getting a game changer like that, haha, um, isn't something for us, you know, to take the next step with. Um, and then you look at the timber of it all. I do think he provides a level of defensive flexibility in the squad that, you know, you don't have to rely on your injury-ridden depth in Tomiyasu. For me, Tomiyasu was what timber was meant to be last season. We just couldn't with his injuries. Now, when you add another body like that, that has the flexibility in all those back lines, means that you don't have to rely on your number one depth anymore. You have options. And by the way, some of the people that we thought had no futures in this club, Kieran Tierney, Emil Smith-Rowe, Fabio Vieira, have had moments in preseason and I'm looking at that and I'm like the depth no longer feels so dis uh, disconnected from the starting 11. So uh, I have a feeling that we're going to do it. We're going to go all the way. And the only thing that I think could improve with better away, transfers is, um, is those cup competitions. But yeah, no, I'm very confident on the Premier League. That's the Vulcan is done though. Um, I'm less optimistic. What about you, Mick? <laughs> <laughs> less optimistic than the pair of you. I have a weird feeling about the Carabao Cup. I think we're going to win the Carabao Cup this season. I have no idea why. Same. Because I can just sort of envision all of our rival fans going, well, we win, we win, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I think we will get to the final stages of the FA Cup, maybe semi-final or final. Um, and I don't think we'll win that based on nothing. Absolutely nothing. Literally nothing. Our record in finals is ironically excellent. Yeah. It's the ones before that that we struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> Champions League, I agree with George. I think it'll be a quarter final, maybe even round a 16 exit. I just feel like we're going to face someone huge early-ish and it's just going to be a problem for us psychologically. Madrid. Yeah, I just have yeah. a feeling we're going to be drawn against like a Bayern or a Madrid <laughs> like in the round of 16. And it would be one of those things where we went out but because we went out to a ridiculous team. Um, and the Prem... Just got time for a little bit of us. 
mm, I think we're gonna come second. I think we're gonna come second. I I still I so think we, I still think to City. I think we need another year. I think we need another another year. And I just think Pep. What do you up. think's missing? Honestly, from a tactical and technical perspective, nothing. Like, like li- little things, like up, I think up front we could do something in terms of depth and whatever, but like, ca- can this team, as it is, win the league? Yes. Will it is a different thing. Like, ca- it, and I, do, I don't think it could last season. It might have happened to by the end of the season, but like at the beginning of the season, that squad there, I think was a second, third place team. We did really well. For sure. And maxed out on that. But I don't think we were a title winning team in that we weren't, we weren't the best team in the league, right? We were not better than, I'd say we were better than, say, 18, 17 other teams. And we ended up being the 19th uh, worst. 19, yeah, 19th worst, that makes sense. And this season, I just think we're, I think City will make some huge signings. And I just still think psychologically, we're still growing into ourselves. Most of our most of our players are still early to mid-20s. And I just think we, it's going to take another year or two. I think we'll do it. I think we'll, we'll win a Prem. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we'll win a Prem under this management within the next three years. I'm almost certain. And I think we'll go very well far in the Champions League. I think we'll I win two. We, I would be surprised if we win it. I wouldn't be, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I think we're that good and we're, work, we're working in that way. I just think this season comes a little bit too early. But I'm going to clip you all up, including myself when we're all wrong come May. How Bradley. have I been the most fucking positive as well? Jesus Christ. That's a role <laughs> reversal. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, this is... <laughs> but also, genuinely... Imagine playing this conversation to ourselves like two years ago. Mad. Genuinely After the mad. Manchester United, no, after like the Everton defeats or like after the Villa five, 3 After that 5-0 against Man City away on the opening uh, game, on, on the, in the uh, opening of the 21-22 season. Mad. Bradley, we have just, just, I think, got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. So lads, I asked you, what is Mikel Arteta's current career win percentage as a manager. Here's a clue. He's played 190 games. He's managed 190 games for us. How many of those... No, no, no. How many many of those do you think we've won in the last three and a half years? So many of those are wins. What is the percentage of your mental math ability? That's what I mean. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Look. How good um, are you at arithmetic? (laughs) Well, to, to think about it, right? In, in his first fifty games, he was only behind Arsene Wenger, or or I think he was actually beating him in terms of right? like it was it was up to like first fifty wins and then first hundred wins. He yes, was behind, it, uh, I think Wenger for fifty wins, and I'm pretty sure he's above him. for a hundred wins in terms yes. of managers so, who play who've managed more than like five games or something. He is our he's got our highest win percentage. Yes. Uh, I want to. Is it within five? Like you said last it's week. Within so like 5%. We, it's within five percent. It's within five percent. The worst part is, is I know it's between fifty-five and sixty. I think, like in okay, my well, mind. Well, maybe to make it harder, then I'm going to say within three percent to go. make you get off the fence. Within three percent. Two percent. Okay, I'm going to go fifty-seven percent because I really think it's between fifty-five and sixty for some reason. His current win percentage. Is fifty seven point eight nine percent? Oh, George! <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable, George! What a pickup! Unbelievable! Okay, there so I the am theme this week positive again is one of those inverted oh, weirdos who's paid by the club. <laughs> paid by the fucking club. Uh, your question for next week is: Arsenal beat Sevilla six nil. During last season's Who were the top pre-season, <laughs> who were the goal scorers? And how many goals did they score? Oh, Jesus. I was watching Cabaret in London, so I didn't see it live. That's not fair. <clears throat> <laughs> I revolt. Sevilla, only, uh, Sevilla, Sevilla only conceded 30 goals in the league last season, and we scored six against them in pre-season. That's fucking mad. They were shocking that day. They were shocking. Yeah. Tragic. Uh, lads, a pleasure as always. We're playing at the Emirates uh, in the Emirates Cup on oh, Wednesday. Oh shit! No, um, I need a, I need a. Topic, oh yeah, theme for next week. Uh, you can have go on, George. Give me a topic. Give me a topic. Any old topic. 
Oh, how how about we stick on the idea of backup goalkeepers? Um, okay. You know, yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do backup goalkeepers to play for the Arsenal. Nice, nice. We'll be back on Wednesday with an instant reactions for the TDK members. New videos out, new content out. The content machine never stops spinning. Bradley's got it written down. We're all groovy, baby. Anything else to say, boys? Don't lose that. Yeah, if I could get my microphone back, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> Go on, right at the end, say it. Go on, just, say, just say, what, say what's happened. This. Say what's happened. My fucking ex-girlfriend is not replying. <laughs> this has been, it's literally been eight months. Uh, and she's she never replied to my last message, which I'll, to be fair, I'll give her, I, it was a while ago that I last messaged her, but uh, she's still got all my stuff. Bradley's ex, <laughs> please, if you're listening, for the sake of our listeners. <laughs> Please, Please give him his mic for back. the audio quality. This and is... We'd like to welcome a special guest backstage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine she's like, "I'll do it on the condition I get to come on one episode." Yeah. <laughs> she comes on. She's like, "Actually, I don't think Santa Cazorla would fit in this team because the thing is, yeah, it would." That would she be was so uninterested in football; it was actually shocking. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was me. It was definitely me. I, I, a hundred percent was the problem. <laughs> and on that bombshell <laughs> thanks as always for listening keep it different knock uh, by the way you can watch us live if you didn't know that you, know what, mate? you can watch Bradley have a breakdown live on YouTube now on the different knock live channel which is just past a thousand subscribers Ooh. money baby content let's go thanks as always for listening keep it different knock and we will see you later peace peace Thanks so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. To get bonus podcasts and much more, you can sign up to be a TDK member at patreon.com forward slash divknock for just £3 a month. Check us out on YouTube and follow us on all social media at divknock. Thanks again for listening. Podcast Network.